It's on podcast number nine of the covert show. It's a Saturday special probably will be released on Sunday. And I have a special guest with me here on this Saturday. It's Jake, the sports guy and Jake, welcome to the show. Hey, Jonathan. I'm very happy, very excited to be on your show. It's my first time being a guest on a podcast and hosting my own. It's kind of cool to be on the receiving end, I guess. I've interviewed a few other people, but you know, I maybe not have as much pressure, I guess, as the <laughs> host does. But you know, it's it's been good good to come on here and talk with you because you know, you and I had some time quite a bit of time we got to spend together up in iowa doing broadcasting together but uh just appreciate the invite and glad to be on the show with you that is right we had some uh some wet some wet memories of some baseball (laughs) games and uh some other things like that and you know maybe if this goes well you can come on down the line we're talking some nfl college football mlb if we get to it but first starting with the nfl this is um going to be an interesting year there's um, a lot going on in the NFL right now with preseason going on we're going to go through each of the divisions starting with the AFC and I know you are have a great podcast that goes really in depth in each of these divisions but start with the AFC East what are you seeing in the East you know the Bills are going to be good people are talking about the Dolphins there's the Bill Belichick Patriots what are you seeing in the AFC East I mean, obviously the Bills are going to be the favorite since they made the AFC Championship game last year. Looking at their team, they didn't lose a whole lot from year to year. They bring back Josh Allen, who's turned himself into a top-tier quarterback and is going to be their franchise guy for a long time to come. He signed that big uh, extension in the offseason with the Bills, so they've locked him up for years. Um, they're going to be great. They're going to be a great team. Stefan Diggs had himself a breakout season coming over from the Minnesota Vikings. If you're a Vikings fan, I'm sure you're pretty sick to your stomach at how that trade worked <laughs> out for you. Because uh, Diggs turned himself into an all-pro selection with um, with Allen. Basically, it was a match made in heaven with how, with how they played together. So they get to go at it with year two. Um you know, the Dolphins, I, I, I really like their team. I mean, I think they made some great off-season acquisitions. They went out and got to his former teammate at receiver in Jalen Waddell at Alabama. I think they're going to have instant chemistry there. Uh, the one question mark, though, for their offense is they brought in troubled receiver Will Fuller from the Houston Texans. He's had injuries, and then he also had that uh, PED suspension at the end of the season with Houston, so I just don't know, you know, if he's if he can stay on the field for Miami, they're going to have two bona fide deep threats out there for Tua, along with uh, breakout tight end Mike Gusecki from Penn State, who they took in the draft a couple years ago. So, you know, they're going to be a good team. The pay, I think the team that really interests me the most, and I think has the biggest question mark and has the widest range of possibilities of how they're going to finish on the season is definitely New England. Just because, you know, they were the biggest spenders in the offseason. <laughs> I'm sure you saw too, Jonathan, whenever the first couple of days of free agency launched, it just seemed like the Patriots were just scooping up every single every name that was out there. You know, it was just crazy to see Bill Belichick spending all that money like he just usually doesn't you know the Patriots weren't 
big big players in free agency very often that he liked to build through the draft. But this year, way different. You know, they went out and got Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, who had great seasons last year, especially Smith in Tennessee. They got Nelson Aguilar, who had a breakout year in Las Vegas. Um, you know, their defense is going to return a few guys that uh, took voluntary leave last year due to COVID. So they're going to be revamped. But, I mean, the the biggest thing, obviously, is the quarterback position when it comes to any team in the NFL when you talk about it. And I just I don't believe in Cam Newton. I just don't – I don't think he's any good anymore. I mean, it's, it's just – I, it didn't make any sense to me about they brought him back. I mean, he didn't play well enough, in my opinion, to earn himself the job coming into the year next year. But they went out and got Mac Jones from Alabama. He had a record-setting season throwing the football with the Crimson Tide winning that national championship. And he's going to be competing for that starting job starting out. And I, I really believe if the Patriots would just stick with him starting out, make him the guy from the beginning, I think he's going to give him the best chance to win on the field. But Cam, you know, he's got success in the past, took the, the Panthers to the Super Bowl, but he's long removed from that. You know, he's had a lot of injuries had to deal with. Uh, he's always been a running quarterback. But when it comes down to that position, it's all about throwing the football and how accurate you're getting it to your guys on the outside. And I just think Jones is going to be the better option. But well, I guess it remains to be seen because the talent is definitely there for New England. They've got the coach, but – they're going to have some stiff competition in their own division. They're going to play Miami and uh, Buffalo twice. And it's going to be hard for them, I think, to beat them twice and even maybe split with a few of those teams. So the Jets, I mean, who knows? I mean, they got Zach Wilson <laughs> with the second pick, but they still had a lot of work to do. They got a great coach, I think, in Salah from San Francisco. But they went out and got Corey Davis from Tennessee, from Tennessee. But, I mean, outside of that, there's just not much to talk about with the Jets. I mean, is Wilson going to be worthy of that second pick in his rookie year? I don't know. I mean, you, you don't really know as rookie quarterbacks. You can get an idea. But until they go out there and actually start doing things out on the field, you, you, you start getting an idea of how they are really going to be. But, um that's just kind of I me. Mean, I, I, from from that perspective, I think Bills are the favorites. Dolphins and Patriots might vie for that second spot. Well, I think it can be an argument can be made for either team to come out on top and be a, file, a fight for a wild card spot, and then the Jets will probably bring up the rear once again. That was funny. You were talking about the Patriots and the big buying spree. It's interesting to me the people that look at last year's team seven and nine. I'm happy to hear you say that about Newton because I was. It amazed me the amount of people that thought Cam Newton was the perfect fit for a Bill Belichick quarterback, and I just didn't buy it. And you know, it clearly didn't pan out. But you could tell that Belichick's like, all right, we're we're going on to something else here. Whether Newton starts Week One or whatever. It just feels like long-term Newton's not the answer. And I have the Bills' schedule pulled up here. They have a pretty tough go of it through the first few weeks. They open up against Pittsburgh. Then they go to Miami. Then the Washington football team, Texans, and Chiefs. That's through the first five weeks. Buffalo is going to be battle-tested very early in the season. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the only one that you can maybe give them is Houston. I mean – 
Plus, you don't really know what the Texans are going to do with Deshaun Watson and how that's going to play out with his situation. But, I mean, that's four playoff contending teams right there off the bat. So, yeah, like you said, they're going to be challenged early and really going to see how good they are starting out. And if Newton's going to be the answer, like you said, at quarterback, uh, to get them to where they want to be, which is obviously back in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm curious from your perspective. I would think Newton is going to have a relatively short leash with the Patriots, you know, Jones coming in if the Patriots fall out of the gate. You know, Buffalo has a tough schedule, and Belichick probably sees that as an opportunity, maybe if Cam Newton can get things going early. But it would seem to me if Cam Newton loses one, two, maybe three games if they leave him in in the early part of the season, it's probably going to get turned over to Jones pretty quickly. What are your thoughts on the leash that they're going to give Cam Newton here in year two? Yeah, I I think if they have an 0-3 start, it's, it's they're going to go to Jones. I mean, it, maybe even if they go one and two, just because I, I think Belichick was really pissed off from how they <laughs> how they played last year. And how they finish, you know, in seeing the divorce of him and Tom Brady, Brady leaves, goes to a different team, instantly wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, that's got to that's got to absolutely tear and eat at him on the inside. You know, he's a pretty nonchalant, you know, no emotion guy, but behind the scenes, he has got to be one to do something to prove that it wasn't just all Brady when it was just them together. You know. We all know as football fans that it was a it was a partnership, and they wouldn't have won without the other. But right now, the the divorce is being won by Tom Brady, and they're going to be a Super Bowl contending team once again. So, I don't think Belichick is going to be putting up with as much as he did last year. You know, Cam had a pretty good start to 2020, and, and people were talking about, oh yeah, Cam Newton's back. You know, he looks like himself again, but then he ended up finishing the season throwing eight touchdowns and ten picks. So it's like there are multiple highlights of Newton making pretty bad mistakes as a starting quarterback for the Patriots, and they went out and spent a first-round pick on Jones, so they obviously really like him and traded up for him even. And if they have a bad start, slow start, I would expect to see Jones in there pretty quickly. Well, I'm curious, though. I think – I'm not saying what Tom Brady did isn't great because it is, but wouldn't it seem Tom Brady was able to bring people in where Belichick, not starting literally from scratch, but when you lose a dynasty quarterback like they did, it would seem to me Belichick's job was a little bit harder and that it's going to take finding the right quarterback to get the Patriots turned back in the direction where they're going to be in the playoffs versus Brady – who was able to bring in Gronk, who was able to bring in all these guys down there to a Tampa team that, despite famous Jameis throwing a bunch of picks down there, was pretty talented to start with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they already had the defensive uh, talent there. They just needed the quarterback, and they got it, obviously. And, you know, it's – it's. I mean, obviously, it wasn't really fair to Cam to step in there as a huge name that they went out and got to try to replace the massive shoes – and really, you just can't replace. I mean, you're not going to replace a guy like Tom Brady who basically changed your franchise forever. You Boy, know, if Belichick was... went and got the next guy right after, that that, that would have been amazing for the Patriots. But oh yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, that that's huge to lose the dynasty quarterback that they had and then to expect the next year 
this isn't your typical AFC East either. You've got the Bills who are really good now, and you had the Dolphins that were kind of flirting with being playoff contenders, being that team. It's a tougher East too, so I think people were a little skewed last year when they thought the Patriots were just going to be able to just change quarterbacks and jump right back into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they – I. I just think that they they believe in Jones. He's got, you know, I think he's going to do really well in New England. And coming from being coached by Nick Saban to Bill Belichick, I think he's going to be able to expect maybe some of the same things that Belichick does since Saban is in his coaching tree. So, I mean, that's he's going from two or one, you know, story college football program to now the storied NFL franchise and he's got a lot of pressure but he's been able to deal with it so far being starting quarterback of Alabama and winning a national championship so I, I think maybe they do give him a couple games to sit and watch but I think he's gonna be ready to go right when he steps in there so that's a look at the AFC East Bills the favorites uh clearly for that one switching to the north AFC North, this is one that's interesting. We've got a lot of things to talk about. The Ravens being good in the uh, regular season, shaky at best in the playoffs. The Browns with Mayfield have just resurged really well. Roethlisberger somehow still going in Pittsburgh. And then the (laughs) Bengals who are just waiting for Burrow to get back. The first thing, before we get into predictions, we talked about this before we started recording this podcast, but... I have heard a few different places that have thought the Browns are the favorite to win the North. And the one that gets me 13 games, they think the Browns are going to win during the regular season. What are your thoughts first on the 13 games? And where do you think the Browns are actually going to land? Because we were talking about this too. That's like a five and one division record. You can't lose much in the division to go and win 13 games. Yeah, I think uh, a really good division record for the Browns this year is going to be four and two. I mean, if they split with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, I think that's really good. I mean, they should beat Cincinnati twice. They're the much better team. But uh, 13 wins, I think, is ridiculous. I mean, Cleveland, I really like Cleveland a lot. I mean, the, the I'm not a huge fan of Baker Mayfield. I've said it on my podcast quite a bit. Um, not necessarily in the field of Colin Cowherd hate, but, you know, <laughs> uh, he, he showed me a lot last year. I mean, he was, he was a solid quarterback in college, but, I mean, he's just an accurate thrower. I mean, that's what they need on that team. They've got a top-tier elite defense. Miles Garrett is a bona fide superstar uh, defensive end, and he can change games with how much he can do on the outside with pass rush. I mean, Maybe not on the level of Aaron Donald, but he's he's up there. And they've brought in some other pieces. I think they got a steal in the second round with Jeremiah Wusukoromora from Notre Dame, who was the uh, defensive player of the year in college last year. And, um, you know, they're bringing back Odell Beckham Jr. from injury. We don't know how good he's going to be. But like I've said before, um, I think Kevin Stefanski coming in last year, establishing an identity and making Nick Chubb be the guy that they rely on to win games for him. They pound the football with him, Kareem Hunt, and then they rely on that defense to win them games. I mean, all Baker Mayfield really has to do is make a couple throws. 
here and there. He's got guys that do it out there with him. Um, and I think it's a great spot for him to be in. But uh, their division is going to be really difficult. I mean, this could possibly be the best division in football. I'm not sure. But it definitely in the argument. I mean, you've got three potential playoff teams with Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. In my opinion, I think Baltimore should still be the slight favorite since um, I just think they have the best team top to bottom uh, compared to the other two, um, at least most potential-wise. But uh, even though the Steelers won won the division last year, we all knew that they weren't as good as everybody was making them out to be. You know, they had that undefeated start, and they fizzled out towards the end. They got beat by the Browns. They just fell off a cliff in the back part of the season. Yes, and you just don't know how good Ben's going to be. You know, he's 39 years old now. Everybody is kind of chirping about him. He should have retired, given it up. (laughs) But he's coming back for one more season and trying to do it with the team that they have. Um, And I just don't think they're as good as Baltimore or Cleveland. And, um, you know, that kind of puts them in a dangerous position of missing the playoffs. You know, if they don't do well and they're out of division schedule and they struggle in the AFC North, then they could easily find themselves out of the playoffs, even after, you know, after having a, I think it was a 13 or 14 win season last year. So it's uh, it's going to be a difficult road for Pittsburgh. Cincinnati is just, you know, they'll be, They'll be a fun team to watch just because they'll be able to put up a lot of points. They're not going. They're going to give up a lot of points. There's going to be teams that score a bunch on them. But uh, Burrow is going to be back from injury. You know, he's going to be, um, I think, a potential franchise guy for Cincinnati the way he played in his first couple games of his rookie season. And then they add in um, Jamar Chase from his former teammate as well. So. You know, it's going to be a fun division to talk about. They're going to be very competitive in the grand scheme of things. Do I think there's an AFC championship contender there? I think so. Uh, Baltimore and Cleveland being the two that I would think of. Maybe, in my opinion, giving the Browns a slight edge in that regard when it comes to playoff time. Just because even though the Baltimore might be a better regular season team like you alluded to earlier, uh, the Browns really showed them showed a lot in the playoffs last year. I mean, they took Chiefs to a, to the wire in that divisional game, and Kansas City was able to hold on with a backup quarterback in the closing seconds. But you know, to have that playoff win underneath themselves with a first year head coach in his first season, to get that playoff win, I think it's going to build a lot of confidence. I've really set the expectations high. If we have people talking about a Chiefs-like finish. <laughs> for the Browns, which is kind of crazy to talk about and think about nowadays. Yeah, that North is going to be very interesting. A big game for Baltimore. Week two, they host Kansas City, the team they just can't seem to beat. I'm curious for where you're sitting. What is something Baltimore needs to do to make that next step? They've established they're good during the regular season. They've established they can when I say run with Kansas City, I mean record-wise, they can't seem to beat Kansas City head-to-head, but record-wise, they're right there with Kansas City. But when it comes to playoffs, the wheels just fall off the wagon. I mean, what does this Baltimore team need to do to get it? I mean, you start adding another playoff loss here, it's going to start to get in their head, even if it hasn't already. It might already be a problem for them mentally, just seeing all these playoff losses going in, 14 wins, 13 wins, 12 wins. Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing 
that's holding them back from taking that next step is the development of Lamar Jackson throwing the football. I mean, they've got all the pieces. They've got the defense. Was I mean, I think I think in fantasy football last year they're the number one defense in fantasy football, and they are always scary. Uh, you know, with pass rush causing turnovers, and they like to run the ball. They've got J.K. Dobbins, and they use Lamar Jackson as well. But I think his next step is in a tight game where you need a big-time throw, can Lamar? Can you rely on Lamar Jackson to stand tall in the pocket under duress and make a big-time throw when you need him to close out a game or get you a big third-down conversion? And I just don't think he's shown that just yet. He's got the capability and the talent to do so, obviously winning an MVP, but – his throwing capability, I think, is the biggest question mark. He's, it's all about the pocket passing in the NFL. As much as you want to incorporate the running nowadays, you know, you almost try to have a somewhat of a running threat from your quarterback in the NFL. But when a push comes to shove in the playoff times and Super Bowls, it's all about that pocket passing. And it, it, I just don't think Lamar Jackson is there just yet. But he's got another opportunity to try to prove himself this year. And that's one of the great things about the NFL in the regular season, man. That's you just find out and you see players step up to the challenge or you don't. And we'll see if that is the case with uh, Jackson in 2021. So there you go. A contested AFC North looking at the AFC West. Now this is going to be an interesting one. And you talk about tough schedules and I was looking at the Ravens schedule. Now I'm looking at Kansas city. They start out, they play the Browns. Then they play the Ravens. They play the chargers who seem to be like, they might be an interesting team. They play the Eagles and then they play the bills. Maybe the chiefs will get tested here in the first part of their season as well. What are you seeing in the AFC West as uh who, I mean, the front runner is going to be probably clear as day for this division, but what about everybody else in the West? Uh, I mean, the sexy team outside of the Chiefs is definitely the Chargers. I mean, they've got a guy that they hit the home run with in the draft last year, Justin Herbert. He won the uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2020. You know, he's got an absolute cannon of an arm. Had some struggle with his accuracy just a little bit here and then, but that's expected from a young quarterback. But the Chargers are definitely had themselves a window now to make a run at a Super Bowl. And now that's maybe kind of wild to say with having the Chiefs in their division and being the clear front runners. But a lot of other uh, talking heads have, you know, come to the, this conclusion now with teams trying to find their young quarterback that they get through the draft and then on that rookie contract, they take advantage of that low pay of the guys they have and going out and getting them, putting them a, putting an all-star team around them to make a run at a Super Bowl. I mean, that's what the Rams did a couple of years ago with Jared Goff. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few other teams trying to do it in that manner because it just frees you up so much cap space wise because quarterbacks just demand so much money now, especially if you got yourself was as promising now as looking as Herbert is. So the Chargers definitely have a chance to improve. They've got a new coach, uh, defensive coordinator from the Rams last year, so maybe to help them out on that side of the ball. They bring back Derwin James, who was injured all last season. 
uh, all pro safety there. So uh, they'll be trying to replace Hunter Henry just a little bit. You know, he was, he played just sparingly at times because of his injuries that he had to deal with, but they still got Keenan Allen to bring back Austin Eckler, hopefully for a full healthy season for him. So they're going to be ready to go. They're going to be ready to compete for a playoff position in that division. As for the other two teams, I think the Raiders and Broncos are both good teams, but uh, the Raiders really for them, it's just their schedule. I mean, I, I just think they play a really a too tough of a schedule to allow them to be a third team to make the playoffs from their own division. I just don't see them. I mean, they were able to get one against the Chiefs kind of in a weird game last year that turned out into a shootout. But uh, I just don't see how they can – if they don't get one from the Chiefs and if they don't split with the Chargers, I mean, that puts them behind the eight ball. Definitely trying to compete for a playoff spot when we just about talked about the AFC Northwick. They could possibly have two, three teams, and then you know the AFC East could also have two teams as well with the Patriots or the Dolphins along with the Bills. So they're gonna have a lot of competition and a very and a you know highly contested AFC. The Broncos are interesting because they have the one of the biggest quarterback battles in the offseason with Drew Locke and newly acquired Teddy Bridgewater from the Panthers. And, you know, it remains to be seen how that's going to play out because they haven't named a starter just yet for week one. Um, but like like I said, the Chiefs, I mean, there's really not much to talk about the Chiefs. I mean, we just know <laughs> they're good. You know, they're they're the best. They're, they're the front runner in the AFC. They're the team to and, beat. They're the team to beat. I mean, until somebody knocks them off in the playoffs, you know, they're the, they're going to be the team that everybody's going to be looking up at. They've got arguably the best – I mean, you could probably say the best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes. He's got a incredible marriage of a coach with the offensive mind of Andy Reid. They've got the top-tier skill players. they got the best tight end in football with Travis Kelsey, they've got a top-tier receiver in Tyree Kill. They've got other speedsters out there with the cannon that Mahomes has where he can just chuck it 70 yards and this guy just run underneath it. You know, it's it's hard to game plan against a team like that. And the Chiefs, the thing that the one thing that gets slept on about them is their defense. You know, they've got guys out there to make plays and be a difference maker whenever they need it. Maybe not necessarily points-wise, whenever they need a stop, they have the guys to do it whenever they uh, need one to have it in the playoffs you know, or to win a Super Bowl like they did just two years ago. So um, they'll always be fun to watch, and they're going to be fun to watch as long as Reed and Mahomes are together. But the team to the, that's going to be maybe of a dark horse out of the West and is going to be the Chargers, in my opinion. And I think they'll definitely be competing for one of those three wild card spots, and I'd like to see Herbert uh, make the playoffs in his second year. So switching gears now to the AFC South and last division here in the AFC. This one's interesting because, you know, the Titans are good. Titans will probably continue to be good. The Colts were that team last year that you just thought Rivers was going to turn a corner. The Colts were going to turn a corner. They got in the playoffs. They gave Buffalo a run but fell short. And now they're just riddled with injuries. And then the other two are interesting, too. You talked about Deshaun Watson at the very beginning of the show for Houston. 
And then you've got Jacksonville, who had a very quick fall off a few years back. Then when they were making that deep run, they kind of just fell off a cliff. What is the thing in the South? I I would guess Tennessee would be the front runner, but can the Colts save this season since the injury to Wentz? Yeah, that's the biggest question mark, and really that could decide the division. You know, Wentz. If he's healthy, can play to an MVP level. He's done it before, but it's been a long time since he's done it. And he had a lot of turmoil with Philadelphia. They moved on with him, selecting Jalen Hurts over the top of him. You know, he goes back to a guy that he used to play for in Frank Reich when they went to the Super Bowl. So he's got familiarity there, uh, but it's just, you know, putting it all together. It's been. Uh, I'm sure it's been hard on his psyche for Wentz to be at the MVP level and then see your backup lead your team to a Super Bowl and then maybe basically not be able to stay healthy since. And he's got this offseason injury he's taken into week one. They don't know if he's going to start week one. Um, so that's, you know, the question marks there. But the Colts have the potential to win the division because they have a defense and they've got one of the best offensive lines in football. But that being said, Quentin Nelson is going to be out for at least a couple of games at the beginning of the year. You know, and if you rack up a couple of losses early, I mean, that definitely sets you behind the eight ball in your own division because the Titans are going to be right there. You know, they didn't lose much. Uh, Johnny Smith's gone, but you go out and get Julio Jones <laughs> to go along AJ Brown and maybe the best running back in football. That's a pretty good move. Henry. Yeah, I mean, they did what they needed to do in the offseason to better themselves, but uh, the question mark for them is going to be their defense. Um, they got shut down in that playoff game against the Ravens last year in the first round where Baltimore basically gave a game plan on how to beat the Titans. You know, you, you shut down Derrick Henry, put all the pressure on Tannehill, and it's kind of a mixed bag of results. But now he gets another another weapon with a bona fide, you know, Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, and Julio Jones to go along a young stud and A.J. Brown. I think it's going to be a fun tandem. A lot of people are high on him. Maybe not as high as maybe some other people. Uh, you know, Julio even as good as he is, is still up there in age now as a receiver. Uh, he's not going to have to be relied on as number one number one guy necessarily being with Tennessee. But uh, you just don't know what you're going to get if he's going to be able to stay healthy for a whole season. You know, that, that back end of his career now he's had to deal with some injuries. So if he picks the one up early, uh, you're basically at the same team that Tennessee had from last year, which was a first-round exit. So – if they figure something out on defense, you know, they can make some noise, but I just don't know if they have enough on that side of the ball to get themselves to the level of an AFC championship game where they can play in. Um, as for the Colts, though, I mean, like I said, Wentz is definitely going to be the catalyst of how that division goes. If he plays like he has in the past, I think the Colts are going to be the winners of the division and then compete with teams like I mentioned before with Browns, uh, Steelers, Ravens to have a chance to play the Bills to play in that AFC title game because they're that good. They've got the running game. 
Um, they've got the defense, and now they feel like they've got their quarterback with Carson Wentz. The other teams are not as interesting. I mean, Houston, you just don't know. I mean, the the, the wild, crazy thing, the, the just the parade that's going on with uh, Deshaun Watson with his legal issues that he's got going on. You don't even know if he's going to play. And then, or if he's going to be dealt, that's been another thing yeah. with that. You, you move, you move him. I mean, what do you do if you're Houston? I don't know that you make a good point. That's a big mess down there. So it is, uh, it does take a lot of the interest of having him playing out yes. of them out, out, out for that team. So it is, it is interesting. Yeah. And then of course, you know, the Jags are going to be interesting just because they have, uh, they had the number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence. Um, a big believer in Sunshine. I think he's going to do great. You know, he's a little he struggled a little bit in the preseason, but I think it's just nerves. He's got a whole kinds of pressure on him since he's the most talked about, highly anticipated number one you know quarterback taken in a long time, maybe since Andrew Luck. So he's got that on his shoulders. He's going into a decent situation. They went out and got a few guys for him in the offseason to help him out. But, you know, the Jags defense is still going to be really bad. Um, it's going to almost kind of be like how the, the Bengals situation is. They're going to be able to put up quite a few points, but their defense is going to, it's going to let them down too much to where they can have a chance to even sniff the playoffs. So we'll see how he deals with that since he basically hardly lost any games over in Clemson in college, you know, dealing with being on a bad team, but he's going to definitely learn a lot. And um, I think it's going to be some exciting things down in Jacksonville, but definitely the two, the two horses in that division are going to be the Colts and the Titans. It's really all going to rely on how good Wentz is going to be for Indianapolis and his first season away from Philadelphia and back with a guy that he used to play for in Frank Wright. So I want to hear your take on this whole Tim Tebow parade that they had down there. <laughs> you know, I, I'll give a little bit of my take, and then I'll, I'll let you talk about it. But for me, people were ragging on Tim Tebow for coming back. Now, I can understand the frustration from, you know, Shannon Sharp, former player. You know, if you're if you're somebody in the NFL that's trying for a tight end spot, Sure. But if you're just a regular fan like me, like you, that has no shot at the NFL, this is just a guy following his dream. It didn't pan out at the quarterback position. Now he's trying to go back as a tight end. He's officially gone. So what was your thoughts about this throughout? Because this thing got talked about from the second that it was listed that he was going to be trying for the tight end spot. A ton of jerseys got sold for this, and now he's gone. Yeah. Uh, the optics aren't very good on the Jersey sales now, but, um, you know, I, I agree with a lot with what urban Meyer said in when he was asked about it in interviews. I mean, it was his guy at Florida. I mean, they had so much success together. He won a Heisman trophy, he won a national championship. He knows what Tim Tebow is capable of with his leadership capability his, you know, just what he can be in the locker room and also be a mentor and a, a guy that has so much experience uh, playing at a high level at the quarterback position. Maybe not, you know, stats-wise or skill-wise as, as Trevor Lawrence is, but he's been able to give him some perspective of being a vet 
but also, you know, the championship caliber that he can have to help out a guy like Lawrence learn the game, but also learn the position a little bit and how to carry himself as being a leader, as a guy to be counted on and looked upon to be, you know, the franchise guy for years to come. You know, I, I think it was just really more just to help out the locker room and help out uh, Lawrence starting out, maybe take some of the, the publicity that he was getting uh, off of him. Cause you know, it, whenever it's Tim Tebow's talked about, it just seems like that just goes crazy with the, the sports media. So I didn't, I didn't, I was hoping he would make the team, but once I saw some of the highlights of how he did in the preseason game, I was like, yeah, yeah I don't think he's going to make it. And uh, it turned out not to be the case. You know, it had been a cool story for him to come back. I was right there with you with that. I mean, I think that it would have been cool. I also, much like you, saw some of the preseason clips and went – yep, this isn't going to happen. And then all those jerseys <laughs> that everybody went out and bought the second they hit the shelves, uh, have fun with that. Yeah, I know. And I've, I've seen a couple memes about that. But, uh, you know, he, it, he's trying to learn a, a different position. You know, they showed a couple of highs where him just completely whiffing on some blocks. I mean, you just can't do that as it's, a professional tight end. So. It, it, it amazed me. This is a – going from quarterback to tight end this is you're just it's such a different position it's nowhere near what he was doing before yeah and he's got he's got the body and build for it no just, doubt you know, about it, that holy moses it, yeah it just can't it's just hard to just completely and also he's kind of coming off the couch too you know he mm. was playing triple a baseball before that uh with the new york mets so you know, it's a, probably a different workouts, and he got himself in really great shape. I mean, you know, but you've been away from football for like at least five or six years now. Mm-hmm. So, no matter how good of an athlete that you are, it's just it's hard to do. And I, I commend him for, like you said, trying to chase his dreams and make a comeback with a, a coach he used to play for. But uh, it just wasn't meant to be, and. Uh, something that will look in the rear view mirror as, you know, could be something that turns out to be a positive thing for their team, even though, you know, it didn't turn out well for Tebow. So there you go. We've officially made it through the AFC. We're now switching to the NFC and last year's terrible division. I can't wait to hear the differing opinions on this as you're a Cowboys fan. (laughs) But before we get to anything in the division, Washington football team is still trying to figure out their name. They listed the eight finalists. They've apparently cut them down to three, but won't share the final three. First, have you had a chance to see this list to as to like what you would like to see Washington's name be? Um, you know, I have my own, my own opinions about all how all that went down before they changed their name or whatever. Um, you know, they made the decision to do that, and now they've got to come up with a new name. Uh, but I th- I've seen a couple of them. I think uh, that a few of their selections are, are, are pretty cool. I think the one that I've seen that intrigues me the most is the Red Tails because of the history behind it. Um, I think it's named after a battalion in the Air Force, or it was like one of the few – black american uh air force mm, uh that's right that they yeah have. they call them the red tails uh, so i think that's kind of cool to be able to keep the part of the red 
from the previous name in with it to kind of keep some, you know, I don't know what you call it, but just, you know, heritage history, if you will. The, yeah. Some continuity with the, the previous name. So I think that's the one that I've seen that, in, that intrigues me the most, but you know, that the end of the day they're going to do what they're going to do. And, uh, I just, I, I, the biggest thing that I hope, I just hope they don't call them the Warriors. I just think it's stupid. It's just so generic and basic because there's so many other teams that call the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they. This is a cool. I think it's a great opportunity to come up with a really unique name and set themselves apart from other teams and come up with a cool uh, logo and all kinds of things. They're going to keep the same color scheme, but you know, you come up with something that makes them a unique team over in the in the the capital city. So here's their final eight. They've lit, they've narrowed it down to eight. So here you go. The Washington Armada, Washington Brigade, or Washington Commanders, Washington Defenders, Washington President, Presidents, I should say, uh, Washington Red Hogs, and Washington Red Wolves. And in their final eight, and I get a kick out of this, and this is the one I would go with, they have Washington football team in their final eight. Hey, I'm just saying it. You've you've made it this far with it. You <laughs> you might as well stick to it. So in uh, in those eight that I just listed, is there? I know Red Wolves is one that a lot of people are talking about. There, yeah, there's cool. some interesting ones in there, but I just get a kick out of the fact that Washington football team made the final eight. <laughs> because yeah. I, I, here's the thing: if they go through this whole process of we're going to change it from Washington football team to whatever, and then you don't change it, what are we doing? What are you doing? If if, if you do this whole thing, and the only reason I'm thinking this is because it's in their final eight, what was the point of this? Oh, I know. There's no chance they're going to stick with it, but I I want them to stick with it just because I think it would be interesting to see how the fan base reacted to this whole Ooh, we're going to change your name from Washington football team, but boy, it is uh, it's an interesting process they're going through right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think one of the ones that you name, I think Armada is pretty cool. I mean, I think anything that's military uh, uh, related, I think is pretty cool just mm. because it comes with, um, you know, being over in the capital of, you know, obviously with our, the president and being the commander in chief and all that kind of cool stuff. I think uh, that's, that'll be something that they eventually go to. Um, Red wolves is interesting. I didn't know that apparently the red wolves are like an endangered species. Um, so maybe they can get like, I, I've seen some people say they bring like awareness to, to something like that. But I think regardless of what they choose, as long, like you said, I think as, as long as they don't choose to watch the Washington football team, I think it's, it's fine. Now that's that I that would be my pick right now. I, you know, there's a lot of great names on that list, but the fact Washington football team's on there, I that's that's what I'm going with. Anyway, jumping back, we took a little bit of a veer off the path there. We're talking <laughs> NFC East. It was tough last year, but Washington ends up getting in. What are your thoughts on the East? You know, I know you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. One of the few. Yes. We were talking about this before the uh, uh, the before the podcast that 
isn't just assuming Dallas is just going to win the whole thing this year. So what are your no. thoughts uh, drilling down a little bit in the East? Yeah, I'm, I guess you would say that I'm one of the more reasonable Cal- Cowboys fans out there, if there is one. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm high on my Cowboys. I love my Cowboys. Uh, you know, I think they paid way, I think they paid Dak, Dak Prescott way too much money, but is well, what it Jerry's is. Jerry's got a flex, dude. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, he 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 went out and paid the guy, so now he's got to go out and play. And it's going to go one of two ways. He's either going to put too much pressure on himself to live up to that contract, or he's just going to go out there and play carefree because he's got his money now. Um, you know, it remains to be seen how he looks all coming off that ankle injury that looked awful. Oh, when it happened. boy, it sure did. Wow. Um, but – you know, from all the signs that are pointing towards in camp, he's been looking pretty good. You know, he's dealing with some kind of shoulder strain or something like that right now, but they said he's going to be ready to go week one uh, in that opening game against Tampa, so we'll find out real quick how good they are <laughs> then going against the defending Super Bowl champions. But, you know, they've been talking about the Cowboys. You know, apparently Zeke's lost a bunch of weight. He looks really good. Uh, they bring back Amari Cooper from you know he had some injuries that nagged him as well so you know i I think the biggest thing that's really being underrated for dallas this year is their defense i mean they were historically bad last year they gave up their most points in a season all time um so you couldn't get much worse and they went out and got dan quinn from atlanta you know he was the defensive coordinator on those legion of boom teams with seattle so he's obviously got the experience there to try to revitalize the Cowboys' defense and try to make them um, at least top 15. You know, if you don't have at least a top 15 defense in the uh, in the NFL, you're not you're just not going to make playoffs unless you just have a bona fide score at will offense, um, which most teams don't have. Um, you know, Dallas is going to be great offensively if Dak can play like he was at the beginning of last year, you know, he was just absolutely going off um, at the beginning. But he had to since their defense was giving up 40-plus points a game. Um, You know, if they can just get it around, you know, 20 to 25 points, I think that's going to give Dallas a lot of chances to win. Uh, But they're going to be in a tough – I really think it's going to be a three-horse race for the NFC East this year. I don't think Philadelphia is going to be any good whatsoever. Um but as for the Giants and Washington, uh, they're, they're going to be tough. I mean, they are going to be more of a defensive-minded team than Dallas is. They're going to be the yin to the yang compared to those two teams, uh, offense to defense. But I really like both uh, the Giants and Washington just because of their defense. And the Giants are getting Saquon back, uh, Barkley back from injury this year. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big believer in Daniel Jones. I think they made the right choice getting him in the draft a couple of years ago. He's got so many striking similarities to Eli Manning. It's just weird. You know, they look kind of the same. They, <laughs> yeah, they, they carry themselves the same way off the field. You know, he's, he's got the, he's got the running ability unlike, uh, Eli did, but I think he's going to be a great guy for them for years to come. You know, Saquon is a top-tier running back, but you don't know how he's going to be coming off an ACL tear. But they went out and got him some help. You know, they got Kenny Galladay from the Lions. 
and their big uh, receiving acquisition. But, uh, you know, the defense was a lot better last year under Joe Judge. Uh, he'd been a, they were definitely improved by the end of the year. And then if Washington was the team that made the playoffs, you know, they've got a quarterback battle with Heineke and bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, I'm a, I'll love me some Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, <laughs> I think he's, he's must-see TV out there just because you don't know what you're going to get. You know, he could go out there and play like, uh, you know, Joe Montana, but also he could play <laughs> like James Winston. You know, you just don't know what you're going to get. He's just a bona fide gunslinger out there, and I think it's, you know, it makes it so fun to watch. He's got a crazy personality. I was going to say, um, and plus, you know, if they do well, the post-game press conference, there's going to be at least a gem of some comment or the way he's dressed or how he looks, you know, something is going to be awesome about the post-game press conference. Oh, absolutely. They've got a lot of talent. You know, they, under Alex Smith, they had that kind of of running, passing, uh, short pass game that they really, uh, Alex Smith was very comfortable with over in Kansas City. They kind of did the same thing while he was there in Washington last year uh, when they had in – I think Antonio Gibson, their running uh, Ricky, uh, running back they had last year, he had a good season. Uh, but they have Terry McLaurin, who's very underrated as a receiver, and Chase Young winning Defensive Player of the Year last year. Now he's he's going to be all as advertised when they took him to second in the draft. Um, you know, the, the quarterback battle, I think, is very interesting. You know, Heineke had a great playoff game against Tampa. They basically gave Tampa their best – competition in the playoffs last year, maybe outside of Green Bay, um, during that run. And even Heineke got praised from Tom Brady himself after the game was over of how well he was impressed with him. So it's going to be a a very interesting battle between him and Fitzpatrick to see who's going to win the starting job. Um, Rivera's definitely got a tough decision to make there. But in my personal hope, I really hope Fitzpatrick gets – chance to be the starting guy on that team because I think he missed out on a chance of making the playoffs with the Dolphins last year um he's he's still got it you know even at age 39 he's definitely got juice left to throw a great deep ball like he always has been um but you know his decision making is a little questionable at at times but um he's definitely got a, a top tier defense there to help him back up so the NFC East is going to be very competitive Unlike uh, how it was last I mean, it was competitive, but in a bad It's just because like, everybody was so bad in the East. Yeah. It was, so is it was, somebody going to be, be above – Is somebody going to be above 500 this year? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I think Dallas is going to have close to double-digit wins. Uh, Ooh. And I think Washington and and the Giants will be close to that eight or nine win mark. Um uh, I don't know if that's going to be playoff worthy as a wild card in the NFC, uh, but it remains to be seen. You know, I, I think we'll find out a lot about all three of those teams whenever they play each other in the divisional matchups. Um, I think Philadelphia is going to be the doormat. Their their franchise is just in flux. Uh, I don't think they made the right decision getting, getting rid of Wentz for Jalen Hurts, even though he had a some good games at the end of the year. I know now he's got they've got film on him, and he's going to be the starting guy and have to carry a team for a full season. You know, he was just coming to us as a spark in the last four or five games of the year for the Eagles, and uh, they've lost quite a bit. 
you know, on both sides of the ball. And they got a new coach. So it's just too much uncertainty with Philadelphia. And we've got some established um, teams with now Washington. And I think the Giants have got themselves a pretty good coach in Joe Judge. Unlike me as, as, as a Dallas fan, I really do not like Mike McCarthy at all. Um, I think he showed his why he got rid of he why the Packers got rid of him all those years ago a couple times last year with his decision making because I I think if he would have done the few things different just coaching wise Dallas could have been the team even with all the injuries been the team in the playoffs even though they would have got whooped in the first round could have said you know at least they got there in the first year with uh, Andy Dalton but uh, you know it's going to be uh, a fun division. Um, not, not not as headline grabbing, I think, as it was last year in, in a negative way, but there's it's gonna definitely some better teams uh, between uh, those three. All right, now moving to the NFC West, a lot of interesting things happening here in this division uh, for the Rams. Uh, Cardinals look like they might be good too. What were some of your uh, thoughts here on the West? I think my biggest my biggest thing is just how much people are buying into the 49ers. Um, it just, it's kind of weird to me. I've seen from betting purposes and also predicted win total for San Francisco is 11 going seriously. Into this year. Wow. Yeah, it's I had high. not seen that 11. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy to me that I, that, people think San Francisco is going to be that good with how much uncertainty they have at the quarterback. I know Plus everybody to... else in the West too. I mean, the 11 yeah, I mean, does the seem hot. Yeah. I mean, this, this could be the best division in football. You've got Seattle, you've got the Rams who are going to be competing for an NFC championship. In my opinion, uh, Arizona is going to be good as well as they were a, a playoff contender last year. Uh, they've made a couple of improvements with getting AJ Green, and who knows how good JJ Watt's going to be. But um, you know they're going to be better. Um, so it just—I don't know. Uh, it's going to be something that I'm going to keep my eye on for sure. I mean, they've been showing some highlights of Trey Lance. He's looked good at times, but you just don't know in preseason. And he's playing against guys that may not even be on a roster here in a couple weeks, but. They say that Jimmy G is going to be the starter out of the gate, but what we've seen already from Trey Lance, the the leash I think is going to be pretty short for Kyle Shanahan. Um, and you know, with that being said, I mean, I just don't know. I I, I just don't see where it comes from because the uh, the Niners, you know, they dealt with a lot of injuries last year, ended up being you know a little bit of a disappointing season in that aspect. You know, coming off a, a team that just just made the Super Bowl, but you know they've got a they've got a pretty good defense. Uh, they've got the run game that Shanahan likes to utilize. They've got uh, Raheem Mostert coming back as their starting running back. He was injured for most of the year last year. Uh, they drafted Trey Sermon out of Ohio State to back him up. We'll probably see him a little bit. George Kittle comes back, try to play a full season. He was out for most of the year as well. So, I mean, I guess that's what they're banking on, you know, is those, those guys coming back and meshing well. Um, 
and Jimmy G playing well enough to, you know, keep them in them games, I guess. But I just think the Rams are going to be far and away the best team in that division. Um, maybe that's a strong statement, but I really believe in Los Angeles. I think Sean McVay is one of the best coaches in, the, in football. Uh, and they, they just hit a home run going out and getting Matthew Stafford. I think he's been underrated for most of his career because he's been in such a black hole of Detroit. <laughs> They've been so bad. You know, he's been with so many bad teams and had to basically carry the load himself. Mm-hmm. And now he goes to a just complete world change yeah. in Los Angeles where they, he's got talent left and right around him. So yeah. uh, I think it's going to be a great year for Stafford. I think he's going to be uh, have a, a career year under McVay. You know, they had a pretty big loss, though, at the beginning of the year, getting uh, Cam Akers going down with an Achilles injury. Uh, so you you throw in Daryl Henderson to be your starter. Maybe they go out and get another guy. Uh, but the defense is going to be headed by Aaron Donalds, you know, defensive player of the year, perennial. And you, you know they're going to be good. So Stafford just makes them that much better. They were a playoff team last year that won one game with Jared Goff. And, you know, how much better does Stafford make him? I think it's a lot better. And does it make him as good as Tampa? I don't know. That's uh, The jury's still out on that, but I think it's still, it definitely makes him far away the favorite in the NFC West, even though it's going to be a murderer's row between the four teams uh, and maybe prevent each other from making the playoffs <laughs> for how much they're going to beat up on each other. Uh, whenever those divisional games happen. Kind of a spoiler to the segment we have coming up once we wrap up our final two divisions in the NFC, but then Buccaneers-Rams game in week three, that could be one of those games you look at as it's way early in the season, but that could be a playoff-esque game early in the year. Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, it's got currently slotted as the big America's Game of the Week, afternoon, Fox, you know, prime time. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be a, a huge test for the Rams. It's going to be at home in that sexy new stadium that they got. Uh, it's definitely going to be a, a, a loud, large crowd, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, they're definitely going to find out real quick where they stand as one of the top teams in the NFC going against the defending champs because you know how good Tampa's going to be. Um, but uh, the Rams are going to have a lot to prove with having Stafford now and – basically betting it all on him with how much they traded away to get him uh, for the next couple of years to try to get them a Super Bowl. So um, if they're able to go out and get it done or definitely keep it close for most of it, even if they lose, I think that's going to give them a lot of confidence to know that they can do it and compete uh, for the top spot in the NFC. So talking about the Buccaneers, a perfect uh, segue here to the NFC South a weird NFC South with Drew Brees not returning to the Saints. What are you seeing in the South? This kind of feels to me a little bit like the AFC West where there's one clear front runner and then everybody else kind of trickling in behind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, uh, this division has turned into kind of what the AFC East was when Tom was in the, in New England. <laughs> yeah, that's a good <laughs> you know, point. I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're you're right. It's you know, they're the they're the clear favorite 
and then everybody else has their issues that falls in behind them. Uh, you know, New Orleans, you, you don't, you don't, you just can't replace. Like was, like we said with New England replacing Tom Brady a year ago. Now they try to replace future Hall of Famer Drew Brees. I mean, I who who's going to do it? I mean, you've got. Taysom Hill, who they've had with the team for a long time now, they like him a lot. Uh, but also they've got James Winston there waiting in the wings. They both signed them both to just one-year contracts. So obviously there, it's a prove-it year for both of them. Um, now do they both get an opportunity to be the starting quarterback at some point in the year? Uh, I think that remains to be seen with Sean Payton. You know, he's liked to use Taysom Hill in different waves across the field all the time it seems like but now how's he going to be just being a quarterback you know he's been used to being fullback tight end or uh, is this special a, teams or is know. sorry to cut you off but or no, is this fine. something with you throw in Winston and then you still use Taysom Hill the same way as they did but maybe use him a little bit more than what they were doing uh with yeah Brees. I've heard that um, from a lot of people, but at the end of the day, a, one guy has to be the guy, and I just don't know who that's going to be. I mean, they haven't alluded to it at all. They haven't really said anything. You haven't heard much coming out of the Saints camp, uh, but they've got two, two capable guys, I think, uh, between the both of them, and in my opinion, I think Winston's got the more potential between the two. He's younger, but also he's shown in the past that he is capable of being a very talented quarterback in the NFL. You know, he had the famous 30 touchdown, 30 interception <laughs> season before uh, Tom Brady took mm. over. But, uh, you know, he's got talent and he can definitely sling it. But like we talked about with Ryan Fitzpatrick, it just comes down to decision-making sometimes for Winston. Uh, Hill can do the same, maybe not as severely and as inconsistent as, as Winston does, and he's a guy that's been in the system for a long time for Peyton. So I think it's going to be a very interesting thing what they try to figure out down in New Orleans. Um, you know, Atlanta, they I'm not sure they're going to be that good. You know, they just got rid of Julio. Uh, Matt Ryan is towards the back end of his career. The defense was awful. Uh, they got rid of a defensive-minded head coach in Dan Quinn. Um, you know, they don't really have a, a name that you can point to maybe outside of Calvin Ridley. You know, they went out and got the kid from Florida. It's the highest drafted tight end in NFL history. So he's got a huge expectation between for him and Kyle Pitts. And I think he's going to have a great season, but they don't really have a name you can point to in the backfield. You know, they talked early for last year, but uh, the, I, I don't even know if I can think of the guy that's going to be their starter this year. Um, so, you know, Atlanta's going to struggle, and Carolina is a team I think is not going to be talked about as much as I, I think they should be. I think they made a very underrated move in getting Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, maybe some people are going to laugh at that because of how much he struggled in New York, but like Detroit, the Jets have been a black hole of awfulness <laughs> for the last couple of years, and he's been – affected by that because he's had some injuries, but also he's just had a horrible team around him. And now he goes into a situation where he gets Christian McCaffrey, who's one of the top tier 
running backs and maybe the top pass catching running back in the NFL. You know, he's coming off an injury, but, you know, he's still the guy that they are going to be relying on for most of their offense. He's got two great receivers. DJ Moore's underrated. Robbie Anderson had a monster year last year. Not talked about a whole lot. And a guy he used to play with up in New York. So he's got some familiarity with him. Uh, the defense is going to be that great, maybe better than Atlanta. But, um, you know, it's still not going to be the best and will probably hinder them from winning as many games as they maybe could. Uh, so, yeah, I think what you said about AFC West is pretty similar. Buccaneers are the five, by far the favorite. It's not even close. And then you've got Carolina and New Orleans, are, I think, are interesting. Uh, and then Atlanta is definitely going to bring up the rear, in my opinion. And then last but certainly not least, the NFC North as a Bears fan. <laughs> I just uh we, we almost we almost had a moment. We had a moment where it looked like the North might be not just reined in by the same team that's been running the division for a long time. That whole Aaron Rodgers thing we talked about it uh before we started <laughs> recording. I was oh, we were so close. Get him out of there. <laughs> Get him out of the NFC. He was going to yeah. Denver. Everybody thought for sure he was gone. And then uh, I, I feel like most of the teams in the NFC and most of the fans in the NFC are like, okay, pump the brakes. This is like June and July. Come August when you're starting to get these teams back and we start seeing preseason games. If he's not with the Packers and he's still off doing what he's doing, then we can start to think that he's not coming back. He's back. So, as a Bears fan, I'm disappointed, but it is the rest of the division's kind of interesting. I think uh, it'll be an interesting division. What are your thoughts on the North? Well, I mean, um, I would I would like to ask you before I get into it is that what do you think about Justin Fields? I mean, does he think he's going to be the guy this year? I know Andy Dalton has been really confident in himself, saying that he it's his time, but. Uh, The the new shiny toy is Justin Fields, and everybody wants to see him play. So what do you think is going to happen there? My first thing with Justin Fields, and I love this, but only because I'm a Bears fan, is so the quote from the preseason game where he's like, man, everything's so slow. And I'm like, it's preseason. Like you said uh, about, I don't remember what team, but half of the guys you're playing aren't even going to be on rosters when this year starts. So, yeah. like, the overwhelming confidence makes me like, okay, maybe this guy's feeling like maybe maybe it's just really that good. But that also makes me think maybe we should have him sit and watch Dalton and watch the how a real speed game is, if you will. Yep. I, I don't know what to say here about the quarterback situation. I mean, Similar to, I, I can't remember what team we were talking about with the uh, quarterback. You lose, oh, New England. Similar with New England. If Dalton comes in and drops an egg and you're 0-3, because you start yeah. out with the Rams, Bengals, Browns. If you lose to the Rams, Bengals, and Browns, put Fields in. I mean, if you're yeah. doing all right, it would be nice for Fields to not have to be the guy in year one. So, yeah. <sighs> I, I'm not a huge Dalton guy. I thought that that move was a little little weird for me. But, uh, yeah, I would say I just don't like the idea of throwing fields to the wolves in year one right off the jump. 
unless yeah. you have to, I guess. But if you can get a year, maybe two, with Dalton where you're good and you can get Fields seeing things before he has to be thrown to the Wolves, that's what I would like to see at least. I'm not yeah. confident Chicago's going to win – Geez, probably two of the first three. I mean, I don't think the Rams game will go really well, and the Browns um, game's iffy. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm seeing there. Although I, I'm, I am not confident at all in Chicago. And you know, <laughs> as as somebody that watches football like yourself, you understand why they're just typically not great. I mean, they get to the playoffs, uh, <laughs> but. It'll be interesting, but man, I had a glimmer of hope. Just get the Packers to not have a good quarterback that just runs the division, but yeah, I guess I'll have to keep dreaming. <laughs> or hoping he retires soon. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it's not going to matter because they're going to do the same thing they did when Favre moved on. They're going to put the guy on the bench and then their backup will come in and he'll probably run the division for the next decade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you got a you got a pretty good one in Fields. I mean, you know, I, watching Dalton last year as a Cowboys fan and the games that he played when Dak went out, you know, he's not bad. He really is not bad. I mean, he 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 got better towards the end of the year. Um, you know, he's had success in the past where he made the playoffs with the Bengals uh, a couple of years there. Unfortunately, um, with Marvin Lewis, they all end the same way, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, he's, he's got experience. You know, he's played in, in high-pressure, high-stakes games before. Um, he's got some good players around him. You know, he's got David Montgomery, who basically won me my fantasy football league at the end of the season last year. Um, they've still got Allen Robinson, who's, I think, very underrated as a receiver. I definitely he's, agree with that. <laughs> He's, he's top tier. You know, he's extremely talented. Uh, made Trubisky look good at times with the catches that he was making. <laughs> so he's going to get a guy that's going to be more accurate throwing the football regardless if it's Dalton or Fields. So I think he's going to be a, have a really good season uh, this year. But, uh, you know, the defense is the strong suit for the Bears. It's just always been the quarterback play. And inconsistent they didn't have they didn't really trust trubisky after probably year two or year three so he when he was on his way out you know it's just kind of formalities at that point um you know they're gonna be i think the bears are gonna be good but i, I like us like you've said i just i don't the quarterback situ, situation it brings a lot of questions and i just think the Whenever, if the Bears have a bad start, like you said, I think if they go, I, even if they go one and two in those first three games, if they go one and if they lose that next one, they go one and three. I think that, I think that Fields just comes. Which in. would be playing Detroit. I can agree with that. You know, one and two, you're playing some pretty good teams, but if you go and drop an egg against Detroit and you're one yes. and three, yes, it's time to throw them to the wolves and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> because. I don't think Detroit's going to be that awful. I know a lot of people are hating on them and think they're going to be just terrible, but they normally uh, are, though. Yeah, I'm. I am always one that's it. I'm the other way. You know, you say everybody hates on them, and you're a little high. I'm not saying you're super high on them, but I'm the other way. 
every single year it seems like there's this group of people that thinks Detroit's just going to blossom. And it was, <laughs> I mean, oh, I was going to say back when you're talking about Stafford, it as much as I didn't like him when he played for the Lions because he was good, it does make me happy to see him go somewhere where he's going to have the potential to be good and yeah. really blossom as a quarterback. But I, yeah. I, I don't think Detroit's going to be good this year. <laughs> but you that know, that's I, every year, so. Yeah, I mean, the the thing is, though, is like I I don't think their expectations are very high. I mean, they're <laughs> I think their win totals like five on the year. So I mean, it, that's that's. So you're the, thinking north of five for them I, this I, year? I, yeah, I mean, I think they might win six or seven games. I mean, they they they're definitely not a playoff team by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't even think with bringing like, golf in. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Goff's that bad. He's definitely not Stafford, but they got a few guys to help him with receiver-wise. I mean, they they got rid of Galladay, but I think Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams aren't too bad. And they've got uh, DeAndre Swift, who's a promising young running back. Um, they got Penny Sewell from... Uh, Oregon in their first round pick for their offensive line, so that'll help a little bit. Uh, their defense will be bad once again, so it's just not going to be, you know, kind of the same situation with the Bengals and the the Jaguars, and they're not going to have a good offense as those two teams. <clears throat> so, uh, I mean, they'll be they'll be semi competitive, uh, but they're they're definitely going to bring up the rear in their in their division. Because there's three teams that are better than they are, with the Bears, Vikings, and Packers. I think the Packers are once again obviously favorites since Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. To your dismay, <laughs> yeah, very but, much so. Uh, you know, he's even Rodgers is at the very end of his career. He's still, you know, winning MVPs. Uh, he's got all the talent in the world. Uh, just whenever you, I mean. I, He's he's the, one of the few guys I think I've ever watched. It's just effortless throwing football. He can make every throw on the field. It just doesn't seem like he strains at any point that trying throw, to throw the ball down the field or just anything like that. That 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 type of throw you're talking about is the throw that gives me just absolute nightmares. I don't remember what year it was, <laughs> but it was the year the Bears had him on a. It was in Chicago, and I think it was the winner got to the playoffs, and the loser was done. And uh-huh. it's like a fourth and 15, and he's just running around, running around, making plays. And all of a sudden, you see him turn and start to wind up, and you're like, oh, my yeah, God, yeah. who did he find? And I think he found, like, Randall Cobb just standing on the <laughs> five-yard line, and you're like, oh, my God, what are we doing? Yeah. He just yeah. makes you look bad. Oh, yeah, and he's – trust me, as a Cowboys fan, he's broken our hearts quite <laughs> a few times over his career. Um, you know, he's, he's an uh. amazing talent. But, you know, the biggest knock on Rodgers' career is going to be the Super Bowls. I was going to bring that up. Do you think he will finally – because it's starting to be – he's starting to run out of excuses here. I mean, he's got the team around him that you think in theory he should be able to get over that hump, get to a Super Bowl, and win another one. But NFC title games are kind of the kryptonite for him. Absolutely. You know, he's – what is it now? He's lost like five or six in a row. It's – it's wild. It, it's I mean, the, always weird they, to me when it comes to because my brother's a Ravens fan, so he uh, I I've gotten to hear the last couple of years of oh we go fourteen and two and we lose in the playoffs, and it's the same thing for Packers fans. 
I would kill as a Bears fan to get to five NFC, five, six, whatever he has over oh, yeah. the 10, whatever, however, whatever span that is. I would kill for that, but it just always amazes <laughs> me. Those teams that have that high level of success oh, I know. that are just yeah. like, oh, we're almost there. I'm sure yeah, if I, I was in the Packers fan spot or the Ravens fan spot, I'd have that attitude too of like, oh yeah. my God, we're one game away. But it, yeah. from somebody who has seen very little success with yes. the Bears, it just always amazes me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think uh... – that's going to be his biggest knock, especially if he doesn't get another one. If he doesn't get two uh, by the end of his career, I think it's going to be a huge, you know, thing that they're going to look what at. What could have on been? His resume. Yeah, what could have been? You know, he's arguably one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play the position, mm-hmm. and he only won one Super Bowl. You know, he got It's like close. Dan Marino with the Dolphins, except yes. Rodgers has one instead of none. Yes, You've got that talent, and you're like, (laughs) and yeah, that's true. But you got that talent, and you're like, how did you not win more? Absolutely. I mean, now I guess you can make the excuse of there's Mahomes in the AFC. Brady's going to run the NFC till his arm falls off, probably. (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah, he is an interesting spot of his career. Yeah, and the thing is, though, is that they had the chance to beat Tampa in that NFC Championship game last year. They had they had plenty of opportunities to beat them, and they just you know they made a few decisions here and there and just couldn't get the job done. And that just seems to be the case every year now for Green Bay. They make a couple plays or a couple decisions that make them fall you know just a, a score or two short. Um, you know the they're going to have competition not just from Tampa this year, but you know it was it was New Orleans last year, but now I think it's the Rams are going to be there. Um, you know, there may be another team from out of that division. And, you know, who knows about the, about the NFC. So, I mean, I'm not going to bank on that. I'm not going to tell you that Dallas is going to compete for an NFC championship. <laughs> They're not as good as those three other teams, but you just never know. Um, you know, the Packers were the number one seed in the NFC last year. They had the home advantage in Lambeau and they just couldn't get it done. So, you know, they basically returned their entire team that they had last year. They've got a stud in Devontae Adams. They've got a great running back in Aaron Jones. They've got playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. So, it, yeah, like you said, I mean, the excuses are running dry for Aaron Rodgers to explain why he only won one Super Bowl. So, you know, it's going to be a competitive year in the NFC North. The, I think the Bears and Vikings are going to be pretty similar on how their seasons go. The Packers will be the favorite, and then the Lions will probably be the punching bag for everybody else. (laughs) All right, so there you go. We've made it through the eight divisions. I kind of talked about it earlier, but I think we should both go through, pick a couple of games that we think are the key games. Obviously, this is before the season starts, so there's a lot of question marks on the later games of the year, but... I'll let you start. Do you have a couple, three games you're looking at as like, hey, this might be a, whether it's a deciding the division sort of thing, whether it's deciding the conference or just a game you look at and go, that right there might be one of the best games of the year. Well, I think uh, a nice game early on in the season 
and this is going to be, I don't know what week it is. I'm just looking at dates. But uh, October 10th, we've got a rematch of the AFC title game, Bills and the Chiefs. Mm, so yep. That's going to be a game I'm going to be very excited for uh, to see because I think the Bills, even though I've been talking up the Browns, I still think the Bills are their, are their toughest challenge in the conference. You know, the Chiefs have a pretty brutal schedule to start off. But uh, I think that Bills game at home is going to not only show where Kansas City is still amongst the top teams, but definitely let the Bills know where they're at in comparison to the other teams competing for that spot to play in the AFC championship game against the Chiefs because, you know, the, the, the road to the Super Bowl in the AFC runs through Kansas City. And we'll see how good they are uh, whenever that happens kind of early on in the season. So I believe I have that as a week five, and it's a 7-20 start, so I'm going to guess that's Sunday night. That's a Sunday night game in there. Okay. So week five, Sunday night. That I'm right there with you. That was one that I had uh, – circled as that that might be a really good game should be a really good game so yeah that's uh you picked a great one to start with wow <laughs> and then i think this one's kind of um this is kind of a package deal but uh, as a dallas fan i want to highlight it just because <laughs> uh how their season ends but that NFC East, I think, is going to be very competitive. And the Cowboys' last three games, they play at Washington, at New York, at home against Washington. So they play three division games in a row, two against Washington, one against the Giants, in alternating weeks. So that is going to be huge, and we could possibly see the division decided in those last three games between, uh, I think, the three teams that are going to be competing uh, for that NFC East crown. Yeah, that's another good one. And that's something interesting with how that schedule works. I'm looking at it from the Washington football side is it goes Dallas, Philadelphia, Dallas, Philadelphia, New York to wrap up their season. So (laughs) that is a ton of division games on the back half of the year. I mean, you you like to see the wins obviously add up outside the division, but the last five weeks for the Washington football team, that is an incredible grind to try to get into the playoffs. Uh, boy, that is that is a brutal schedule there at the end for them. Yeah, and then I think my last one uh, is going to be fun. Is It's kind of a tie. Uh, I wanted to pick a Jaguars game just because Trevor Lawrence being the number one pick. He plays last year's number one pick, Joe Burrow, on the road, I think a Thursday night game Hmm. on September 30th in Cincinnati. And then he also plays this year's number two pick in Zach Wilson uh, in the last week of the season on the road in New York. Yeah, I certainly would think that Bengals game would be more interesting just based on where we think the Jags and Jets are going to be at the end of the year. But yeah. I think both of those, you make good points. So those are the, the most recent draft picks, and it is interesting to see them play against each other. And 
you know, anytime you get to see Trevor Lawrence play, that is uh, usually been entertaining over the last uh, few years. So, yeah. Absolutely. So I'm going to throw in a couple of mine. Uh, The first one is just because of how this game played out last year. Go into the desert, and it's the Seahawks and Cardinals in the final week of the season. I I just I've got a good feeling about Arizona. I'm I just not quite exactly sure why, but I think that could be a really entertaining game. And I mean, like I kind of alluded to, if the Cardinals are out of the division race, this probably won't be, you know, if Seattle's basically punched the ticket in and they're gonna sit everybody, it might not matter. But uh, as of right now, I think that could be a really interesting game for the NFC West. Absolutely. Yeah, that uh, that's always a very ex- competitive game between the two. You know, it, it seems like that 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 division, no matter what the the records are, it seems like you can just throw them out, and it's yep. always going to be a great game between those two teams, especially the Cardinals and the Seahawks. And it always seems to me like those are the games that get put on Sunday night. If it's a Sunday night game. NFC West, it always seems like those games are just really just fun to watch just because they're competitive and, I don't know, it must just be something with that Sunday night atmosphere down in the desert that uh, keeps those games entertaining. Jumping to my second one, we kind of already talked about it, but the Buccaneers going to the Rams, a long, long trip for Tampa, but it'll be Mm -hmm. interesting to see Stafford in a big game early in the season as uh, that's week three. Yeah, that'll be nice, too. They'll have a, they'll have a, just a few weeks to get underneath his belt to get comfortable with the Rams system, as I'm sure it's completely different with the, the offensive scheme that Sean McVay is going to put out there as he's done over the last couple of years being the head coach of the Rams and all he's done with Jared Goff. I'm sure he can – he's kind of licking his chops with how much now he can do with the arm talent of Stafford out there. Um, so I'm sure there'll be, um, you know, teams aren't really a complete product until the very end, but they'll be a little bit more comfortable with themselves and they're going to get a huge challenge at home against Tampa. And, uh, you know, can't say it enough about the Buccaneers. You know, they, don't, they didn't lose anybody. You know, they are the first team in history to return all starters from a Super Bowl winning team the previous year. So they're going to have that continuity, that chemistry already established. So they're not going to be missing a beat starting out, and basically to get a playoff-ready team already in the first couple of weeks, and a team that they're going to be trying to beat uh, in the playoffs to get to a possible Super Bowl. And then my final pick, and this is one we talked about it very briefly going through the AFC West: Chiefs Ravens Week Two. It's at Baltimore. It's a Sunday night game, I'm guessing, or possibly a Monday night game, whatever September 19th is. Let me check this quick so I can uh, be accurate on what – I don't know what the 19th is. 19th is okay. It is a Sunday. So it's a Sunday night game. I feel like this is a bigger game for the Ravens than it is for the Chiefs, and, and here's why. Kansas City's routinely beat Baltimore. Baltimore's Mm -hmm. at home. Baltimore has the big stage. Baltimore probably is going to be having, everybody's going to be talking about the same thing we are right now. Baltimore can't beat Kansas City. 
This is going to be a big game for the Ravens early in the season. Boy, if they can win it, it'd be a big statement game. If not, maybe it's a good thing if they can't win it early rather than losing this like middle of the season, but it's a big game for both teams early on in the year. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, I think you got it 100% correct. Is It's going to be a huge game for the Ravens. Chiefs, it's kind of business as usual. You know, even if they lose, it doesn't really mean a whole lot towards their um, aspirations of being the AFC champion and winning and going to a Super Bowl. You know, it's the it's the Ravens that are trying to climb the hill and top the top Kansas City. So, um is, you know, in Baltimore, that's a tough atmosphere to play. But it seems like Kansas City, it doesn't really matter where they play. You know, <laughs> it's it's always the same team that you're facing. Um, but it's going to be an early test to see if the Ravens are ready to make that next step. If Jackson is showing improvement from the pocket, throwing the football, um, I think he's going to – that's going to be a huge key to look at. Uh, in that game if he can do it against the pass rush of the Kansas City Chiefs and not get happy feet, bail out, and try to use his legs too much, which I think is what gets him in trouble sometimes. Um, and does it kind of stifles the Ravens' offense a little bit to making them a, a one-dimensional team. So, yeah, I think it's a great choice and going to be a fun game to watch uh, early on in week two. So now we're jumping ship here in the back part of the podcast. We'll probably talk a little bit less about college football, but I'm sure we'll be talking about this down the line. Top 25 comes out. It's Alabama on top, shocking nobody. Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia top five. Before we get into what's really been going on here, you're a Notre Dame fan. I'm just curious from your perspective – do you want to see Notre Dame get into a conference, or are you fine with them floating in the independent and then joining? Uh, they're in the ACC for basketball and whatnot. Or do you want to see them get into a conference? Um, I mean, I understand why they don't get in a conference because, um, you know, it's the one. A lot of it's the money thing. You know, they can create their own TV deal exclusively with NBC and they can schedule whoever they want. You know, they um, have the freedom to do that. Unlike other teams where they have a set conference schedule, uh, they're locked into who they play pretty much every season. And a lot of times they don't want to schedule anybody too terribly good outside of their conference because it might run the risk of them getting beat and hurting their chances of, being in the conversation for college football playoff, but also uh, on top of that, though, you know, it's, you're not, you don't have the conference championship game, which is a huge thing. You know, the, they were able to play in it last year, temporarily joining the ACC for one season and they did well. They went undefeated in conference play and then they got beat by Clemson in the ACC title game. But um, you know, they show that they compete in that conference if they ever decided to full, fully join as a member. You know, they have their current contract now to where they play, I think, five to six ACC teams a year, kind of at random. Um, so kind of playing an ACC schedule, but not necessarily. 
so they can still play Stanford, they can still play USC, and then schedule other fun games like they're going to play Wisconsin at Soldier Field uh, in October. So that'll be a fun one. Um, and then they play one of the, the better non-Power 5 schools that's a preseason top 10 in Cincinnati um, early on in the year as well. So if they weren't in the conference, they wouldn't be able to make games like that. But I understand it from, you know, uh, team or fans that are people that are not not fans. There's a lot of haters in Notre Dame as well uh, that tell them they should get in a conference. But, you know, it's it's a double edged sword. If they do it, you know, kind of damned it if you damned if you don't. You know, it's kind of it's there's positives to either side, negatives to either side. And I think it just, it, it's their decision to make and it, you just kind of roll with whatever they do. All right, so having said all that, we're going to jump into a little bit of the news of what's been going on. You know, Texas, Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 kind of screws the Big 12. Uh, They're going to the SEC. And this week, super conferences. It was something that was kind of talked about. I I have an episode earlier where I talked to uh, Quinn Douglas, a former University of Iowa graduate, Uh, in an earlier episode about what the heck was going on at that point. Now the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 looking like they're going to get an alliance in the coming weeks. What in the world is going on with college football right now? You're going to, in essence, ruin the Big 12, even if they bring in teams. You know, they've talked about the American uh, Athletic Conference will dump teams in there. Mountain West could do it. Uh, to me, Texas and Oklahoma leaving just trashed the Big 12. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, that's the uh, that's the two names you think of when you think Big 12. If if you're thinking football, basketball, you're thinking Kansas as well. But um, you know, Baylor just won the national championship. Uh, but football, it's Oklahoma, Texas. It always has been. And it kind of always will be in that that part of the country, you know. And Oklahoma has had more national success recently than Texas, but Texas is still the biggest name. They draw on the more, the most money out of any team in the conference. You know, they have their own network with the Long, Longhorn Network, and now they take all of that out of the Big Twelve and they just add it into the SEC, which is already the most profitable college football conference in the nation so um you know competition wise we talked about this off you know before we started recording about how i I don't think it makes much sense competitive wise for both teams um just because they those are all the teams that they play towards the top of the sec they've gotten beat by in playoff time you know it just doesn't make sense to uh, now they maybe are sealing their fate from ever possibly making a college football playoff. Um, but maybe more so for Texas than Oklahoma, just because of how they've been over the last couple of years, but it makes the most sense money wise. Obviously they're going to make a whole bunch of money, both of these schools by going uh, to the sec. But like you said, it's kind of watered down the Big 12 that they try to keep it together. I've heard a lot of talk about basically just dissipating the conference and all the teams fit for themselves and trying to find themselves a new home. But if you do try to pull schools from non-Power 5 
places, you know, uh, you're not going to fill the shoes of Oklahoma, Texas, regardless of who you bring in. Well, and at I that, sorry to cut you off again, but no. and at that point, you know, we talked about this before the podcast too. Is you water it down, you make yourself a non-power five. If you don't, if you go get a bunch of teams that aren't power five, and if you get some that aren't power five caliber, you just made yourself a non-power five conference right there too. Yeah, absolutely. And there's not, uh, there's not, I mean, there's maybe two that you can possibly think of off the top of my head, at least to replace Texas and Oklahoma would be Houston and Boise state. Um, but still you're, you know, they've both had a Boise state's had, you know, a, a lot of success ever since that classic game they had against, those Oklahoma Sooners, you know, in that Fiesta Bowl all, mm-hmm. all those years ago. Um, and Houston's had success recently as well, but, you know, it's still not going to make – it's still going to water down the conference like you said. It's going to help those schools out with recruiting-wise, but overall it still hurts teams like Oklahoma State, you know, Baylor, all those other schools, West Virginia. So, you know, it just – We'll see how it goes, and uh, it, this is just the first domino to fall, I believe, which unfortunately, as a college football fan, I hate to see this big money grab of all these super conferences starting to happen as it's happening again, and, you know, happened with that crazy movement not so long ago with all those teams moving around. But now it seems like it's happening again, and I just think this is going to be the first thing that happens before you know something else huge comes along as well. And uh, speaking of that huge thing, Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12 could be announcing an alliance. We were kind of talking about this before. You look at your college football playoff with four teams, and you know you normally have got Alabama, some other SEC team. Uh, as well as an Oklahoma or an Ohio State. And now you could have three SEC teams. It's no wonder everybody else is getting in a conference together because you're going to need every single other team to even run with the SEC because they can get two teams in, even with them just being a conference by themselves without this addition of Texas and Oklahoma college football is going to get interesting and i'm on board with you and it's it's a bummer to see how it's starting to go here with these giant conferences that apparently are starting to look like they are going to indeed become a thing i kind of laughed at it when i first heard it this is just two teams but boy other places apparently aren't laughing so loud with this newest alliance of three conferences possibly joining together it's it's pretty wild right now yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it's just going to be it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out if they just combine uh, all together. You know, what's that mean? They're going to have if they do that. I think they have to expand the playoff. You know, they can't just do two. I think they should do that anyway. I don't know where you're at if you're in the camp that's leaving it for, but I would love. You know, uh, coming from Morningside, NAIA. Their 16-team playoff, I don't know why NCAA just doesn't do that. I mean, it's great. Four-team playoffs are awesome. But if you get 16 teams, granted, your one versus 16 isn't probably going to be a great game in the first round. 
I just I would love to see the playoffs expanded. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm only on board with uh going that far with 16, but I think um the first the first step is definitely 8. I think you have to double the size, especially with uh if they go to these super conferences because there's essentially just going to be two conference championships then and all the the top teams are going to be together um because we would assume if the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 all come together. Then the Big 12 will try to, you know, latch on to that, or they'll try to join the SEC. Um, it's so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, but that'll more than likely foster in an expansion of the playoffs. They'll go to probably go to eight, and then maybe eventually go to 12. Because um, there's definitely still some deserving teams. I mean, I know we, all the Power Five gets all of the publicity, but there's still a lot of deserving teams and great teams outside of that that can compete and should deserve to have some of those positions in there to try to see what they can do against teams like Alabama, Clemson, Auburn, Georgia, you know, the top dogs in college football because it's always great to see those big upsets and also the little schools show that they can also play up there and there's not as big of a gap as they maybe seem to be and people try to make out the beat. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So going back to the top 25, we're, I'm going to be talking about a couple of teams. You're going to be talking about a couple of teams here. So being that I'm from the great state of Iowa, Iowa State, we were talking about this. It's weird for me seeing Iowa State being this good. They're genuinely this good. I know there's a lot of people that think seventh is too high for them. I don't know if that's too high. I mean, they are they were right there last year with Oklahoma down the stretch. So Iowa State number seven, Iowa number 18 gets number 17 Indiana week one. So the Hawkeyes get things rolling early. Yeah. And then another team that uh, I watched in the Sun Belt, the Rage and Cajuns inside the top 25. Colorado mm-hmm. Buffaloes are not. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just pick really good teams. Anyway, <laughs> Notre Dame in the top 10. Uh, what are some of your thoughts about the Fighting Irish heading into this season? Um. Uh, you know, after last year, you know, I know they got a lot of hate after they got beat by the Crimson Tide in the first round of the playoffs. You know, they um, they haven't won a game yet in the times that they've been in the playoffs. I think they've been in three times now. But each time that they've lost, they've lost to the eventual uh, champion. So it's not necessarily that they're playing that bad. I mean, they played the best team. And they gave them a decent, decent game. I mean, it wasn't, you know, they didn't really work super close. They ended up losing by like, like two scores, which is saying is pretty good against that Alabama team last year. Um, but, you know, heading into this year, they've had Ian Book for the last, I think, three years now, three or four years. He's been there forever. Um, but he got drafted by the Saints uh, this past draft, and now they bring in. Wisconsin transfer Jack Cohn, who's going to be the week one starter. Uh, so he's going to have a, a fun little – I talked about it earlier, uh, but he's going to have a fun little reunion with that game against his former team at Soldier Field against the Wisconsin Badgers. That'll more than likely be a top 25 matchup when that happens. 
Um, but that's going to be the, the biggest thing. They lost some key players. The biggest one being Jeremiah Wusukoromora on uh, the defensive side of the ball. He was easily their best player. Got drafted by the Browns in the second round. Um, they also lost Tommy Trimble, who was one of their top receiving options. He got drafted by the Chargers, I believe, in the second or third round. So he's going to be a little uh, new piece to play with for Herbert this year. Um, so we'll see how good Cone is. They've got also a four-star recruit, a true freshman from California who came in this year uh, trying to compete for the job. But they named Cone the starter, I think, last week. So no trying to keep uh, confidence in their guy. As he's going to be, a, um, I think he's like a junior coming in this year. So probably a year or two to try to keep the job before they, I'm sure they play that guy behind him. Um, they won't be nearly as good as they were last year. Uh, they were uh, a top team in college football. were able to beat Clemson, even though without Trevor Lawrence. Uh, DJ Uyunglele is going to be as good, I think, as Lawrence, as he was. He's just unbelievably gifted at that position for Clemson this year. Six five, two forty, just absolute rocket for the Tigers. So. Uh, you know, their name's going to be good. They'll be, I'm not, I don't know if they'll finish, I don't know if they'll finish in the top 10. Their schedule's pretty tough. They play Cincinnati, they play Wisconsin, they play USC. Um, they've got, a, you know, a couple of tough games in there that they could easily lose because of the, the questions they have at quarterback and also the guys they're losing from last year that'll have to be filled by uh, backups and maybe some freshmen. So, um, that's kind of what I think. I mean, I think Brian Kelly's been done a pretty stand-up job and been one of the best coaches they've had in that program's history. He's been hated on quite a bit. I don't, I don't get the reason why he's. I mean, they, everybody thinks it's going to be Lou Holtz. Um, the Lou Holtz trying to be the Lou Holtz years back. So it's just not happening anymore. Uh, with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, they get all the top recruits. Notre Dame still has the high academic standards that they have to keep uh which will limit some of the kids that they can recruit um so it's tough in that aspect but i think for all things considered getting notre dame to a national championship in 2012 and then also in the playoffs a couple times i think he's done a pretty good job so i'm gonna just jump through i'm gonna talk a little bit about the iowa state iowa Colorado and even look at the uh, Rage and Cajun schedule here quick. For Iowa State, the big one early is the Iowa-Iowa State game. That should be a heck of a game. They've got Northern Iowa the week before, so a couple of interesting ones right off the bat. Then they go into a nightcap game in Vegas against UNLV, kind of an odd one there. Jumping into conference play, it's going to be interesting to see what the Cyclones can do. Obviously, the big game circled is going to be Oklahoma November 20th. So a bit of a brief look over the Iowa State schedule. Iowa, I kind of talked about it already. They uh, get things started week one against uh, number 17, Indiana. Then they go to Iowa State. They get to relax. They have Kent State, Colorado State both uh, in there and then they wrap up the season against Nebraska. They've also get to match up against Penn State at home, Wisconsin on the road, 
Minnesota at home, Northwestern, who just seems to be that team that just beats Iowa on the road for the Buffs. They get interesting non-conference games where they play Texas A&M and Minnesota, but uh, they get Washington at home. I wish home field advantage would make that game a little <laughs> little less of a uh, – I just don't see that game going very well for them. Uh, they get they get USC at home uh, as they're trying to finally beat USC in conference play. They get Oregon on the road. Uh, they get Utah on the road, which is another one that wraps up the season, doesn't seem to like to go well. And then Raging Cajuns get Texas in non-conference play, so an interesting one there. Uh, they get App State at home. And they get Liberty on the road, which will be an interesting game for them as well. All right, you got anything to uh, add football or college football-wise before we uh, wrap her up here? No, I mean, uh, I think uh, that Indiana-Iowa game is going to be very interesting at the start. I mean, there's some great matchups week one, the biggest one being Clemson-Georgia. But I think that Indiana-Iowa game is going to, that's going to really affect both of those teams years and how they trajectory and how Mm -hmm. they go. I mean, Iowa's got two huge ones up front playing Indiana and Iowa state, you know, the battle for the Cyhawk trophy living up there in Iowa, just for the few months that I did getting an idea of how massive that game is between the two teams. And now it's going to be once again, a top 25 matchup more than likely. Yeah. It's got even more meaning and, Kind of circling back to that whole conference realignment, there was talk Iowa State and Kansas going to the Big Ten, and I know there was a lot of Iowa fans that weren't happy about it, but, (laughs) man, could you imagine Iowa State, Iowa, it's a Big Ten game, top 25, that would be a heck of a game. I mean, it takes the non-conference, you know, everybody complains about non-conference when Iowa State was bad, but... Even even now when they're good, I mean, boy, Iowa State to the Big Ten would be sweet. I don't know if we're going to see it, but uh, interesting. Yeah, and also uh, you got to think about uh, basketball as well. That's uh, oh all yeah, every year. yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm right there with you. So yeah, that'll be uh, certainly interesting. But yeah, there's I a mean, especially since uh, and, and just real quick. I mean, being from Indiana. IU football is, you know, kind of a laughing stock of the state, but since they've had a revitalization under their new coach, you know, he's he, they had a great season last year, best in a long, long time. And the expectations are pretty high going into this year. They bring back Michael Penix at quarterback, who's been there forever now in his final season to try to get IU to the farthest they've ever been in a long time. Um you know, it, it starts with Iowa, and I people kind of felt screwed. Fans were at least whenever they were left out of the conversation of a New Year's Six Bowl uh, with how they finished last year and how they played against Ohio State, basically giving the Buckeyes their toughest regular season game of the seat of the year. Um, you know, they don't they return a lot of their players that they have from the year before um, and have a chance to make some noise in the Big Ten. So. Um, you know, we, Iowa is going to have a chance to prove themselves against Indiana and Iowa state early. And then the Hoosiers 
if they're able to beat Iowa, you know, it's just going to make that game against Ohio State with starting a redshirt freshman uh, this year even more massive, as I think it's going to be in Bloomington uh, for 2021. So a lot of the things they get excited about and not obviously not enough time to cover it all. Yeah, I was going to say, this is by far the longest Covert Show podcast. We've talked about a lot of stuff. I mean, it's been great. I, You know, you talked about it at the beginning. We broadcasted sports together for a uh, summer here in Iowa, and it has been great to talk sports with you. I want to shout your podcast out, Jake the Sports Guy Podcast. You just did a uh, AFC West preview a couple of days back. Is there anything you want to talk about uh to give people an idea what your podcast is uh, all about. So my podcast is, you know, I, I like, it's mostly football. Uh, I, I do whenever the season starts, I per week, I give my top five games heading into the NFL and college football uh, for that weekend. And I go over the betting odds. I give what I think about those odds and my predictions of what you think, uh, what I think you should do uh, with those of you that like to put a little money down on each game. I'm not a, I'm not necessarily a gambling man myself, but I know sports betting has become a huge part of just sports in general now. And also I'd like to give my thoughts on a few other um, sports that are going on. I've gotten more into UFC lately, uh, become more of a bigger fan of that and like to cover uh, all of the pay-per-views and fight nights that happen. Uh, almost every Saturday night and whatever happens with, you know, the results and uh, the banter between the top fights and the, the championship fights that happen. Um, but, you know, it's just really just a lot of times just me. Um, I'm hoping to give more guests. And I know, Jonathan, with you inviting me onto your show, I'd like to have you on mine and return the favor at some point during this season. so Sounds um, great. And I was going to say, when we're wrapping this up, I'd love to have you back on. Uh, uh, we're going to be adding a third man to uh, the uh, Wednesday show coming up. So I know we're going to be uh, – he's a Nebraska fan. So our first episode, we get to talk about the Nebraska cheating crisis that's going on for their football okay. team. So, yeah, we would uh, love to have you back on the show. Where can they find you social media-wise? I – believe you're on i know you're for a fact you're on twitter and i think are you back on facebook or are you off facebook for the podcast uh, yeah for a little bit i might be returning that uh here fairly soon but on twitter i am at jake sexton underscore there and also you can find me on instagram that is at jake the sports guy underscore as well and then my podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcast, and that's new episodes every Wednesday. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on the show, Jake. I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. All right, Jonathan. I appreciate the invite once again, and I'm sure we'll be talking with each other once again here soon. And once again, appreciate you allowing me on your show. All right, perfect. This has been The Covert Show, episode number nine. We're just about closing in on number 10. You can find The Covert Show on Twitter at The Covert Show. we got a Facebook page as well. Uh, still working on getting more stuff on that. And you can email us, thecovertshow at gmail.com. 
Once again, this has been Covert Show episode number nine. Thanks for listening.